Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And if you want to go beyond this podcast and connect with our community of like-minded vegan entrepreneurs, then head over to veganbusinesstribe.com where you can get new free content every week. Or if you want more support and at the same time to support us, then you can also join our paid monthly membership to take part in all our online networking events, come to our business clinics, get support in our mentorship forums, or even study our vegan marketing course. And it's our paid members that enable us to keep recording this podcast every week and putting out all our free content and just generally doing everything we can to support vegan business worldwide. In today's episode, I'm addressing something that is easy to get caught out by. Now, if you're vegan yourself, which if you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you are, then you probably think you've got a pretty good handle on what is and isn't vegan. Because you're out there buying vegan products, you're mixing in vegan Facebook groups and arguing with your non-vegan friends. But all that time poring over the ingredients in the products that you buy, you naturally become something of an expert on what is and isn't vegan. But have you ever slipped up? Do you ever make a mistake? You know, maybe you found out that the wine you've been buying, that it was refined using isinglass, which is more commonly known as fish bladders. For years after I went vegetarian, I was still eating jelly babies because I never made the link between jelly and gelatine, which is made from boiling up animal remains. I remember laughing when I saw somebody posted that a high street coffee chain had started labelling its apples as vegan. Well, that wasn't until I learned that the reason that many apples are so shiny is because they are coated in beeswax or shellac, both insect derivatives. Animal-based products have permeated every corner of our world, not just our food. And the reason why? Well, it's simply because of a huge number of animals that are killed every day to be eaten. And do you know how many that is? It's around 200 million a day. And that's just land animals. 200 million every single day. And not only is that number an unbelievable tragedy, but it also means that there is a huge and cheap supply of animal byproducts as a result. Leather, wool and lanolin, gelatine, bone char, isinglass, even blood. These are all seen as waste products and so can be bought up cheaply and are used in manufacturing processes. Now, as a vegan company or someone who's providing a vegan product or a service, it is obviously your duty to make sure that none of these gruesome things get into your products. Because if you make a mistake about what you buy personally, then you're only impacting yourself. And usually, it's actually quite a good learning experience from which you become a better, more educated vegan. But if your business accidentally sells a product that isn't vegan, 
then you're going to upset a lot of customers and potentially ruin your reputation for life. Now, bigger companies, they do this all the time. And I actually collect labels that say a product is vegan, but it's got animal derivatives listed in the ingredients. I guess everyone needs a hobby, right? But my favourite was a bag of chocolates, which were bought from a high street retailer. And they were labelled vegan because they were made with lactose-free milk. So they still had milk in them. But because the lactose had been taken out, the manufacturer thought that made them vegan. Of a sofa manufacturer who had a vegan collection that didn't include leather, but it did include wool. Or the plant-based burgers that are served with non-vegan mayo, and all those other examples that make it into the news. And most of the time, this comes from companies simply not understanding what is and isn't vegan. If you are a vegan company, however you will be held to a far higher standard than non-vegan companies. And if it was a genuine mistake that you had a product that turned out not to be vegan, so perhaps it's one of your suppliers who told you that a product was vegan and later it turns out that it had honey or something like that in it, then hopefully many of your customers would be sympathetic and they continue to support you. But if you put out a product that makes a vegan claim, but it isn't, and it's just because of your lack of care or knowledge, then there is a real chance your company might not survive the fallout. Now, I love, live and breathe the vegan marketplace, both as a consultant and as the co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. But I'm still learning myself, and I expect I always will be. I still occasionally get caught out. So it's important that you keep double-checking everything you make, the processes you use, the ingredients from your suppliers, that they are all 100% vegan. And you might think, actually, I don't make a product, so this doesn't affect me. But it does. The vegan hospitality industry, such as vegan B&Bs and cafes, need to consider more than just the breakfast they're offering. Vegan virtual assistants and accountants need to understand what their vegan customers expect from them. And if your business is making money from selling a vegan service, but you're then actively putting that money into industries that exploit animals, then you have a problem. So today, I'm going to take a look at what actually makes a product vegan, what catches people out, and a few things that you've probably not thought about. And even if you don't really make a product, as a vegan, you'll probably still find this episode really interesting, because how much do you know about what's in the food you buy? Is your refined sugar whitened with ground-up bones? And now, does that sound gross? Well, it's fairly common practice in many parts of the world. And remember, there's a lot of bones going to waste, in quotation marks, so they make for a very cheap processing aid. I'm not going to assume any level of knowledge here. I know that we've got members at Vegan Business Tribe who've been vegan for over 30 years, but we've also got people who have just turned vegan this year. So let's start 
with the obvious stuff first. Now, you may or may not know that Lisa and I, we're also UK agents for Vegan Society's Vegan Trademark Scheme. So we've supported a lot of companies applying for the trademark. And this includes going through the Vegan Society's auditing process. And so if we use the Vegan Society's framework, then there are four main criteria to a product being vegan. First is the ingredients. And now, obviously, you can't have any animal ingredients in your products. And I'll go into this in more detail in a moment. And the second is animal testing. And this is really important. The development and manufacture of your product must not have involved testing on any sort of animals. So even if a product isn't tested on animals now, if it was tested in the past or was part of its research and development process, then it does not match the Vegan Society's definition of being a vegan product. The third is cross-contamination. You need to make sure that any potential cross-contamination with animal ingredients is managed and prevented as far as possible. And finally, the fourth is if your product contains any genetically modified organisms and vegan products can contain GMOs, then those genetically modified organisms must not include animal genes or animal-derived substances. So, That's for Vegan Society's framework of what they need to see for a product to be eligible for their vegan trademark. And this really is the gold standard, so I'm going to use this framework. But let's look at some of these criteria in a bit more detail. And I especially want to look at ingredients, because remember, whenever we use the word animal, that refers to the entire animal kingdom, which includes not just land animals, but fish, insects, vertebrates, invertebrates, and pretty much anything that lives and breathes. And that means that, especially if you sell a food product, you really need to do some digging into your ingredients. Just accepting an email from a supplier that their ingredients are vegan means you are relying on them understanding what vegan actually means and that they've done their own audit. Just because a product doesn't have meat, eggs or dairy in it, it doesn't mean it's suitable for vegans. So let's take a look at some of the things which might catch you out. And I mentioned sugar earlier. And you might think, how can such an obvious plant-based ingredient not be vegan? And this is where I'm going to introduce you to the nonsensical sounding concept of unlisted ingredients and processing aids. An ingredient can be filtered through or processed with another ingredient without that second ingredient having to be listed on a product's packaging. So, for instance, sugar can be filtered or even whitened using bone char, mainly from cows. And there's only one way to find out if it was, and that's to ask the people who make that sugar. Now, here in the UK, where I'm based, the use of bone char in sugar processing, it's relatively low. But in other parts of the world, and especially in the US, it's fairly standard practice. So if you're making those amazing vegan cupcakes, but you haven't asked your sugar supplier to confirm that they don't use bone char, then you might accidentally be selling cakes that is using cow bone in its production. And while we're talking about vegan cake, which is one of my favourite topics, what if you're using citrus? as an ingredient. 
And now, obviously, this goes beyond cooking. You might be using citrus in your vegan soap or in your vegan tea production, but most citrus fruits are waxed, just like the shiny apples I mentioned earlier. And the most common wax used is either beeswax or shellac which comes from insect secretions. So, those lemon rinds you're using in your zesty vegan shampoo, unless you know for certain that they come from unwaxed lemons, you are probably adding animal ingredients into your product. And it can be that other people's products that you buy in and resell are simply not vegan as well. So perhaps you're selling fizzy drinks in your vegan cafe. And if so, did you know that Fanta, Lilt and Diet Pepsi, they all state that they're not suitable for vegans. Lilt contains fish gelatine. The dyes that Fanta use for their drinks are tested on animals. And Diet Pepsi, well, all we know is that they contain a non-vegan element which Pepsi don't wish to disclose. Now, I hope and I suspect that all these will change over time. As pressure mounts on food manufacturers from consumers to find cruelty-free alternatives, they will change their recipes and production processes. Take Guinness, for example. They removed isinglass, which comes from fish bladders, from their brewing process in 2016, and that makes their stout inclusive for all. Unfortunately, however, some companies also go the other way. So Flora started adding buttermilk into one of its plant-based spreads to absolute uproar from vegans around the world. So it's always worth periodically checking that nothing has changed in the ingredients that you are using. And some ingredients can be really tricky, even if they're listed on the label, because they can be from an animal source, a plant source, or a chemical source. Take vitamin D, for example. Lots of foods are fortified with vitamin D, and especially cereals. But one of the biggest places that manufacturers harvest this from is lanolin in sheep wool. And again, this goes back to my earlier comment of there being so many byproducts from animal agriculture. But you can also get vitamin D from vegan sources, such as some lichen. But most manufacturers simply don't state where it's coming from on the labelling. So again, those vegan cornflake buns you are making, if those cornflakes were made by some of the biggest cereal manufacturers, there is a good chance that your buns have lanolin from sheep wool in them, meaning they're just not vegan. Dextrose as well. Dextrose is really one to watch out for, since normal dextrose is vegan, but cultured dextrose is not. And usually you have to ask the manufacturer to find out which it is. And... You should ask the manufacturer. Even if you already know the product isn't vegan, let them know there's a demand for it to be. The more that we all question where the ingredients come from, the more they will feel the pressure to move to non-animal alternatives. Because remember, where the ingredient comes from makes no difference to the ingredient. It's like protein. It doesn't matter if protein comes from a plant or an animal. It's all the same to your body. And if vitamin D comes from lichen or from sheep wool, it's still vitamin D. So make sure that your ingredients are indeed vegan. Ask what the mystery natural flavouring is, because they could always be honey or some other natural but animal-based ingredient within that. 
put some pressure on your suppliers to let them know that people really care about what's in their product and that they need to be more transparent with their labelling and letting people know that their products don't contain animal. If you're in Europe, then you will have seen e-numbers listed on some products instead of an actual ingredient name. So if you're making something and it has an e-number or a similar international numbering system, you need to find out what's actually in it. E542, for example, that's got bone phosphorus in it. E469 is milk-derived, and lots of other ingredients can be animal, but they've been given a different name. Keratin, gelatin, tallow, aspic, all again made from the parts of animals that would otherwise be thrown away. It can be a real minefield. So spend time doing your research. Find out what's in your product. And if you don't know what something is, then don't rest until you do. And of course, if you want that ultimate certainty, then do go and engage with the Vegan Society. If you want to apply for their vegan trademark, they will help you audit your ingredients and also help you swap out an ingredient if you find something that you can't be sure is actually vegan. Now, that's quite a lot that we've gone through already. But do you remember I said there are four different criteria that your product has to meet to be vegan? And we've only really covered the first in any detail there. And that is what your product is made from. Now, admittedly, it is the biggest. But the other areas are also important too, and especially cross-contamination. Because if you're selling a vegan product, you have to make sure that you're doing everything you can to avoid it coming into contact with non-vegan products. And most larger companies, they actually handle this quite well because they've already got the procedures set up to minimise cross-contamination of different allergens and they just see vegan in the same way. But if you're a smaller company, then you have to do the same as they do. Now, hopefully, you're a vegan company only making vegan products. But if your products are being made in an environment that also handles animal or dairy, you have to make sure that you are managing the danger of cross-contamination. Not just for vegans, but also some people who are lactose intolerant, for example, or they've got problems with certain allergens, they turn to vegan products. And if someone else is making your product, are you insisting that equipment is cleaned down between making non-vegan and vegan products? How are your ingredients stored in their warehouse? Does your distributor keep your products separate from animal-based ones? Are the people who are serving up your products, are they trained on vegan and know how to use different gloves and utensils? Even down to where are they keeping your products in their shop? Are your plant-based sausages rubbing up next to the pig ones on the deli counter? All this is really important and you really have to have a handle on it. The next point was animal testing, or rather ensuring the lack of it. And this is also just as important. Most people, they're now familiar with the idea of cruelty-free cosmetics. But when people think of animal testing, they think of the horrendous testing to see if a product irritates the eyes using small mammals like rabbits. But lots of other products can also be tested on animals, and especially food. And I ensure you that it never turns out well for the animal. 
And if you've got control over your product, you need to make sure that it's not tested on animals in any way to be a vegan product. And this includes the development and also the law in some regions, and especially China, they require that some products undergo animal testing before they can be sold in that country. Now, this is changing, and it's mainly from the pressure from companies who have taken a cruelty-free stance. But you need to be aware that if you have put your products through animal testing of any kind to meet a country's product laws, then no matter if your product would never cause harm to an animal it was tested on, you still cannot claim your product is vegan. It can be plant-based, but you can't claim that it's cruelty-free. And then the final criteria I mentioned was checking that any GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, that are in your product are not animal-derived. Now, many vegans don't like the idea of genetically modified ingredients, but using a GMO doesn't make your product any less vegan, as long, as I just said, those modifications haven't used animal genes. Okay, so I've been talking mostly about making sure that your products, you know, the things that you make are vegan. But what if you are offering a vegan service, perhaps, or maybe you're a retailer or you're working in hospitality? You might not make something, but how can you still be certain that what you're offering is actually vegan? What about the cleaning products that you use in your offices or the hand wash in your bathrooms? Is that all vegan? Is your office furniture vegan or have you just signed off on a new batch of office chairs without considering what they are made out of? You really have the opportunity to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, when you are a vegan company. You have the opportunity to go through your supply chain and find out where you can swap out vegan suppliers for non-vegan ones, including the services your company buys itself. Did you know that here in the UK, we have a vegan electricity supplier, Ecotricity? Did you even know that energy generation can include animal products such as slaughterhouse waste, fish parts and animal slurry? I didn't. Until I heard about Dale Vince and his mission to clean up energy supplies. And this is how you can really set yourself apart as a vegan company. What about the inks used in printing your leaflets? Have you checked they are not animal-based? The glues or the shiny lamination on your marketing materials? These can all be from animals. And if you buy in services yourself, can you actually support another vegan business? Can you make sure that your money is staying in the veg economy, as I've heard people calling it? Can you use businesses that you know are not contributing to animal slaughter and exploitation, who are also on your mission to build a vegan world? Can you find a vegan web designer, video producer, even accountant? And if you're struggling to find one, then we've got all these as members at Vegan Business Tribe, and I would be very willing to introduce you. And finally... How else can you prove to your customers that not only is your product vegan, but you're on the same mission that they are? And this is just a real missed opportunity for so many vegan businesses. It's so easy to think that just being a vegan company is enough without really doing anything to embrace the vegan cause or to further it. So, 
Can you spare a percentage of your profits to help fund your local animal sanctuary? Or if you're not making any profits yet, can you donate you and your team's time instead? Why not take the last Friday of every month and head out onto the streets with your team to do some animal advocacy and talk to people about veganism? Or maybe you work on your own, so go and link up with the other local vegan businesses in your area and go out together. Can your business launch a vegan educational campaign as your side hustle? You know, doing things like this, not only are you doing just so much good, but you're also proving your vegan credentials over non-vegan companies. Remember why you were driven to launch a vegan business in the first place, not just to sell a product or service, but to make an actual difference to the world. And ask yourself, have you still got sight of that? Okay, we've had lots of really good information in this episode. So let me take a moment just to go back over what we've talked about with a recap bullet point list. How to make sure that your product is 100% vegan. Number one, remember that you never stop learning as a vegan and you should never stop learning as a vegan business. Animal byproducts get into everything. They are cheap and they are gruesome. And it is your duty to make sure they're not in your product. Number two, if you are a vegan company, then you will be held to a far higher standard than a non-vegan company. High street brands, they might get away with making mistakes. You won't, which is why you really need to dig into your ingredients and put pressure on your suppliers for that certainty. Number three, when we talk about animal products, derivatives or ingredients, that refers to the whole animal kingdom, not just for creatures you like, but insects, bugs and everything else. Point four, a lot of animal ingredients are hidden. Manufacturers don't like to shout about using ground up bones or fish bladders to refine their products, for example. So put pressure on your suppliers to prove to you that their products are vegan. Check everything, even the simple things like sugar. Point five, if you do want ultimate confidence, then go apply for the Vegan Society's vegan trademark. And it will cost you some money, but they will help you audit your product. And you can also use the trademark on your packaging and website to prove to your customers that your product is vegan. Point six, it's not just your product that you have to ensure is vegan. It's the processes around it, how you guard against cross-contamination, how your product is made, how it's stored and how it's sold and served. Point seven, you also need to make sure that no animal testing has taken place and that includes in the development of your product and also that you haven't submitted your product for animal testing by someone else so that you can sell it in a certain country or region. Point eight, think about how else you can embrace that you are a vegan company. This can be a real point of difference for you, and especially if you sell a service, not a product. Can you keep the money in the veg economy and use other vegan suppliers and products in your own business? And finally, Point nine, just being a vegan company, it's not enough. Can you put some of your time and money 
back into campaigning. Can you link up with other vegan businesses in your area to create a local movement or a vegan event? Ask how your company is furthering the vegan cause. Now, this has been a really interesting episode, and I know there's a lot to take away there, but there's also a lot to make you think. Never lose sight of why you launched a vegan business in the first place, and look at what separates you from a non-vegan business. You care. You are on a mission, and you can use that to make a real difference in the world, no matter what level of success you are currently enjoying with your business. So that's it for this episode. And as I said, we went through some really useful information in this one. And if you did find it useful, then I would love if you helped me to share this podcast to as many other vegan businesses as possible. So make sure you at least tap the subscribe button. Or if your platform allows it, leave us a five-star rating or review. Or if you really want to push the boat out, then email a link to this podcast to the other vegan businesses you know, or share it on your social media and just tag in a few people who you think this would be really useful for. And if you're not part of Vegan Business Tribe already, then, well, first, why not? <laughs> but make sure that you do head over to the website, which is where you can find lots more free information. And you can consider joining our paid monthly membership to get access to our online events, our business clinics, or just to chat with Lisa and myself in the forums about your business or your business idea. Because, as I've said a couple of times in this episode, we're all always learning, not just as business owners, but as vegans, and surrounding yourself with other people who are on the same mission that you are, it really helps your business succeed. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. I always really appreciate you taking the time out to listen, and I will see you on the next one. <laughs>